the wheel of time turns and ages come and pass, leaving memories that become podcasts. Hello there, welcome to the Dragon Reread. We're rereading Robert Jordan's Wheel of Time series of fantasy novels. I am Jeff Lake. I'm Al Sullivan. And I'm Micah Sparkman. And today we're going to cover chapters 34 through 37 of The Shadow Rising, book four of The Wheel of Time. So previously, Perrin arrived in Emmonsfield only to learn that his whole damn family was murdered. His friends were captured by white cloaks, and the area is under attack by Trollocs. So Perrin decides to rescue his friends and kill all the Trollocs. So, you know, that's that's kind of his plan. Perrin just toverns the crap out of the two rivers. He pulls in two Aes Sedai, two Warders, an Ogier, three Aiel, uh, whatever the hell Fayil is. I don't know. What do you call her? A knife lady? Saldean? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, she's a Saldean, like, like the cracker. And <laughs> and uh, and a crapload of scrappy two rivers folk into this rescue mission, and he totally aces it. So let's see, uh, rescue his friends. Now, what was next on parents' to do list? Rescue friends, check. Oh, right, kill all the Trollocs. <laughs> so that's I assume what's happening uh, next time we check in with Perrin. <laughs> yeah, chapter thirty-four. He who comes with the dawn, the icon of the dragon. So Rand and Matt return to Chayandayar. And Isn't that a Pokemon? <laughs> Chayandar! That's a good Chayandar. joke. That yeah. joke ages like wine. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Kuladin attacks him, because Kuladin is, I guess, our designated Aiel villain. Yeah, he's being kind of a dick. Yeah, he's, an, he's basically the, the Kongar of the of the Aiel, right? Yeah, right. Just total untrustworthy people. Coplin. Is a, yeah. Was the... It was it the Coplins or the Congers that they both are terrible. Both. They terrible. both are the Coplins and the Congers. But nobody's as bad as those Terran fairy folk. <laughs> That's, That's right. True. And Kuladin is mad because the outsiders came back from Ruidian, but his brother did not. Muradin. Yeah, we know what happened to him. Yeah, he, he tore his eyes out because he didn't like his ancestors. Yeah, seems a little extreme to me. I mean, you know, I don't. I'm, I'm sure my ancestors did some stuff I'm not super proud of, but <laughs> I haven't tried tearing my eyes out just once. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I think it's because that's, I mean, that's what their entire system is based on, right? This idea of Jato, and then they find out that their ancestors completely failed and they had this completely different way of life that they are not following. I guess if your entire culture is bound to these traditions, that'd be pretty devastating. That's a good point. I mean, the, their whole thing is about honor, right? And their their idea of honor is like this idea of battle, but they learn that the Aiel, the modern Aiel have like no honor according to the like old traditions of Aiel. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So. But what do they expect? The- Aiel were exactly the same all the way back to the beginning of the world? Probably. I mean, in, in their entire memory, that's the truth, right? Yeah, that's it the seems truth like they they've all know. got a pretty um, static culture in a lot of ways. Yeah, I guess so, because of Ruidian. That's yeah. right. And speaking of, Rand now has, officially, the dragon marks. So cool! It's, this is really cool. Yeah, I know, it's I like want these sweet tattoos. sweet magic yeah. dragon tattoos. And he's cool. got, I guess he's the chief of chiefs, the Karakarn. He has two of them on both of his arms, not just the one on one arm. Yep. So he filled the prophecy, right? Yeah, right? Twice and twice shall he be marked. Yeah, that's and right. And so the, the heron thing on his hands and now the dragon thing on his forearms. Yeah, he's getting some sweet body mods. <laughs> yeah. And it turns out it's been seven days while they were in Ruidian, which means Rand was walking through that thing for seven days. Was Matt hanging for seven days? I was wondering about that, too. So what? maybe Matt was in the other dimension for seven days? Like, if you're hanging for seven days, you're probably not going to get revived by CPR or whatever Rand did. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> the two rivers CPR. Yeah. But uh, Moraine and Avienda are still in there at this point, in Ruidian. And we get confirmation about the way that this uh, this Ruidian vision stuff works, that it seems to be based, by, based on... Yeah, that's line. right. Yeah, Ruark says that. He's, they all see it from different perspectives based on their own uh, personal ancestry. Yeah. And uh, it's against the rules to talk about what's in Ruidian, but Rand is like, 
I break rules. <laughs> Which, you know, I guess he does. Yeah, I mean, like, it, it seems like kind of a stupid arbitrary rule anyway, right? We also learned about the, the reason for... We, we've talked in the past about the fact that Kyrian, and at least up until the last you know, few hundred years, were able to pass through the wastes, and we learned that those those people we saw giving water were the ancestors of the Kyrianan. Yeah, so that that explains the whole thing. That's why they gave them the tree because they're the they shared the water. Yeah, that random like guy who was like, ah, oh, you yeah, know, my I, dad said you could use our water. I didn't even notice it when we were going through the memories that this, this rando gave him some water. Yeah, but this is like a key element to the whole history of the world. Can we talk about this real quick? Because I'm still a little confused because. I thought that King Laman was a long time ago, but he wasn't. It was, no, he was it happened 20 fairly years ago. recently. Can so can I get a can I get a Jeff Jeff synopsis? A synopsis <laughs> okay, because well, remember the Aiel War is where uh, Rand's surrogate dad went away to fight. It's okay. where Rand was born. Yeah. So yeah, in long ago in prehistory, some random guy let the Aiel have some of the water from his well, like three thousand years ago or something, right? And even in the memory, it wasn't. Total charity, right? The guy just says, "Yeah, my grandfather says after you leave, we'll have the well you dug." Yeah. So that that's that's what they did, and they the Isle spent I don't know a thousand years trying to find who that person's descendants were. And it's the Kyrianen, mm-hmm. and so when they figured that out, as a reward, they gave a branch of Avendasaurus the life tree to the Kyrianen, mm-hmm. which they they just had, and then many years later, about twenty years before the events of this book. King Laman of Kyrian, who's a huge jerk, cut down the Avendasaur tree to make a throne for himself. Mm-hmm. It's this like is an a, act of hubris. Yeah, it was a huge insult to the Aiel, and they poured over the dragon wall, and they killed everybody that got in their way until Laman died. Uh, and during the course of that, Rand was born on the slopes of Dragonmount during the final days of the Aiel War, when the Aiel surrounded Tarvalon. Okay. <laughs> and funny side note, they don't call it the Aiel War, they just think of it as, as an execution. Yeah, right? They're just like, yeah, we had to go kill that guy, and then we went home. Yeah, that was it. So this is an opportunity to see how the pattern works, mm-hmm. right? The pattern works on a, a scale of many years, decades, centuries, millennia. Yeah. And so you don't usually see how it works because you're so, so close to it. But the pattern had this random guy give some water to these random traveling people, and that led to this giant war. All of this was to make it so that Rand of Aiel blood would be born where somebody of Manetheran blood could find him and raise him. Yeah, and Robert Jordan, he's just got one long paragraph where he explains this whole thing, and it's definitely one of those, what is it, for for want of a nail, the kingdom was lost? <laughs> sort of things. He does a really nice job explaining yeah, that. Rand is kind of reviewing and summarizing like his... Now, he, he, as he's learning these events and putting these pieces together, he's realizing how many tiny events had to go a really unusual way for him to be born, for him to exist. Yeah. I think this also helps explain, too, why what Muradin and all of them, what they do learn, they all do learn in Ruidian, is so devastating because they're talking about um, Laman and all of them as oathbreakers, and they're just speaking to them in such a disparaging way, so mm-hmm. then they learn they themselves are oathbreakers. That's true, yeah. So, random matter are all cut up from that fight with the dust people that I guess they just don't they don't really care about. That stuff happens all the time. <laughs> like, yeah, you know. But it turns out wise ones can't heal with the power. Yeah. For the most part. Yeah, some of them can, though. But that's yeah. the same as it is with the Aes Sedai, right? I, I think they all can heal to a, a little bit. A little bit of healing. It's like ability. they don't know how or something. I think Egwene mentions that healing is actually fairly difficult to do. It requires like a lot of... I, I think she mentioned previously that it requires a pretty complex weaving of, of different types of energy, you know? Right, yeah. I, I think she describes it at one point when she's watching it. She's like, oh, that's really difficult to do. But So either way, that's 
that's a dang shame for the Aiel. <laughs> Their yeah, wise ones aren't good at healing. Yeah. Well, I guess some of them are, but wouldn't, wouldn't, if you are a sept that has a wise one who can heal, doesn't that give you a huge advantage? Yeah. Yeah, right? Yeah. Yeah. You send your guys, go take a lot of chances, guys, because we'll just bring you back and patch you back up. Right, exactly. It's the yellow Aja, right, who are the healers? That's yes. Right. Mm-hmm. So, turns out that uh, Rand now has a plan. He's still got a plan. He's going to summon all the clan chiefs, and the wise ones are going to help him do that. And uh, Amis, in this whole this scene, there's a lot of exposition in this scene. Amis gives him some info about Rand's mom. Yeah. She knew Rand's mom. Yeah, I actually found this this story very interesting. This, this like, it's, like, mysterious. We get all this information, but at the same time, we get, like, very little yeah. context. Concrete. Right, yeah. Right, yeah, she's just a wetlander who went to the Aiel and demanded to become a maiden of the spear. She said that she, yeah, they didn't, they never even knew her real name. She just, like, made a new name for herself there and just said, I'm going to, I, I need to become a maiden of the spear. Right, which they thought was ridiculous, but she was so intense that she did become a maiden of the spear and eventually got pregnant with Rand's dad, who was some clan chief. Yeah. And gave birth to Rand. Which leaves us with more questions than we started with. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, she because she was pregnant, she wasn't supposed to go into battle, and she insisted, and then I guess died as a result. As a result. Yeah, I I felt like this is a little bit of clunky design by the pattern here. You yeah. know? like you know, he needs he needs this person to go get some Aiel blood to make a kid, and then raise with this other person. It's like like the deadline was coming up, and he, the pattern didn't have a good plan. It's like, oh, she just. I don't know. I'm just going to make her think that she has to do this. And then she runs over there and it's, it feels really arbitrary. Yeah. She never really explains why or how she knows that she needs to do this. It's just <laughs> like, just know what the thing I'm supposed to do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And uh, his dad was Jardine, a clan chief who, uh, after uh, his mother died, ran off and got himself killed in the blight. Yeah. Which is the thing that I'll do, apparently. Yeah. And uh, I also noticed that when they are disgruntled with a man, the Isle women sniff. Yeah. Oh, just like the two rivers women. Just like the two rivers. Just like the two rivers. Yes. Yeah. I still don't know exactly what that means. Hmm. I do want... Is I that do, it? Yeah. yeah. Hmm. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> uh, I do want to point out something kind of interesting. Uh, and and I, I'm sure this will be important later. I don't know what it means. But um, they do know this, the, the circumstances of Rand's father's death. Yeah. He's killed by somebody who he claimed looked like Rand's mother. In the um, in the blight, and that's like bizarre, right? Mm, yeah. yeah, he he because uh, there's there's someone there who who attacks him, and he won't raise a spear against them because it looks like Rand's mom, and yeah, gets yeah. Shot and, all, and all we know about her is that she was blonde and she was wearing silk. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So for some reason, he was killed by someone in the blight who yeah. looked like Rand's mom. Weird. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So uh, we also get a little bit more information from the wise ones. Turns out there's a prophecy about he who comes with the dawn. And this is why everybody's treating him like crap, is because apparently he will destroy them. Yet the remnant of a remnant shall he save, and they shall live. Yeah. So that's the only way any of them is going to live. Yeah, it's 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 sort of like the thing that happened in Meridian, right? It's like if you don't do this thing, that's gonna gonna you know possibly kill you, then your clan will survive. That's that's the thing that happened where three thousand years ago in the at the beginning. Yeah, or the radiant thing. It's like no one who doesn't do this will survive. It's yeah, the same thing. If you don't do this thing, no one will survive. Yeah, so that's pretty grim dark. Yeah, yeah. The Aiel are used to it, I guess. At this point, <laughs> yeah. their whole history is pretty grim dark. <laughs> it's a hard prophecy, but this has never been a gentle land. Right. Oh, yeah. She met his gaze without flinching. A hard land and a hard woman. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean the Aiel like 
the the thing they're best at is fighting, and the thing they're second best at is talking about how badass they are. <laughs> so Avienda and Moraine finally return. They're you know all sunburned, I guess, because they've been naked for seven days or whatever. Uh, so they we don't get much information out of them now. And I, I'd like to say that we leave this chapter with a, what I thought was a really nice exchange between Matt and Matt. <laughs> and Matt says, what are you going to do? And he says, break the rules. And Matt says, I mean, are you going to get something to eat? <laughs> I'm hungry. Are you hungry? Yeah. <laughs> I meant like for dinner. <laughs> what are you going to do for dinner? Sorry. <laughs> That's a, a pretty bro thing. <laughs> chapter 35, sharp lessons. Icon of the Aiel Spears. So Egwene meets Elaine in Tel Aran Riyadh, and as usual in Tel Aran Riyadh, there's a significant female nudity component to this scene. <laughs> She's this just time it's topless, Elaine. though. Yeah. <laughs> just topless. Yeah. And, and then she covers the stuff, but we've already seen everything. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but it is interesting because we see that Elaine is... Um, is curious about the sea folk that she's she's she appears in this way because she's thinking a lot about the sea folk she had, maybe admires them a little bit because yeah i think so yeah they're, they're co-ed which is nice and the women are just sailors like anybody else yeah uh, i think she should really go slow on the piercings though if she decides to go the sea folk route you mm-hmm. know i mean piercings aren't permanent you can take those out uh she well, probably shouldn't get gauges you know oh yeah that's true you know i was thinking about this because it sounds really cool but don't you think on a ship having like piercings, like loops or chains that connect from your nose to your ear could be really dangerous on a ship. Could get caught in stuff, get I guess ripped so, off. Oh yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean like there's a lot of rigging and hooks and like pegs and things on a ship that mm-hmm. yeah. you can snag on. You're you're running and jumping around a lot. Those things are kind of bad to have near your face anyway. Yeah. I mean, maybe they're. I guess it depends on how how loose and hangy they are. If they're yeah. if they're pretty tight, they might not be too bad. If they're really thin, maybe they just break away. Yeah, that's a good point. It could be really fine, mm. or maybe it'll just tear out of your ear, and you'd be you know, Gross. just get a new one. Yeah, get a new ear, <laughs> and then a new piercing in your <laughs> shredded ear. <laughs> so they convey to each other a bunch of information that we already have, and then they talk about boys for a while. Yeah. And the whole time, I guess, Elaine doesn't have control in Teleran Riyadh, so her <laughs> clothes are warping rapidly. <laughs> yeah. She her bodice so. plunges when she thinks about Ray and it goes back up again later. Yeah, that's, that's kind of funny. Yeah. And, but Egoine is trying to kind of trying to complain about how Rand has changed and he's taking charge and he's hard. Da 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 da. And Elaine's like, he is what he is. I mean, yeah, that's but... literally what she says. A uh, king can't always, you know afford to see people yeah right that's the job and she's yeah. like oh and your boyfriend got some tattoos i hope you're into that <laughs> kind of a part of his thing now <laughs> yeah he's really finding himself yeah. in touch with his roots yeah i yeah. mean they are pretty cool tattoos yeah you describe. Really, I, I mean yeah they're so awesome yeah golden dragons like they didn't even seem like actual tattoos it's no, no, like they're, they're like metallic metallic yeah. scales that glint in the light yeah. oh i would yeah. get tattoos i like would that. definitely get a tattoo like that <laughs> one on each forearm it looks so cool right badass they share information about the fact that they're learning uh, from other channelers. And I, I thought, like, this is sort of like like a, a magic study abroad program. Like, <laughs> Elaine's out there getting learning how to do, like, this weather channeling, which is on a scale that no Aes Sedai is doing. Yeah. And Egwene is learning about dreamwalking, which is a skill that no Aes Sedai has had in 300 years. So, in a way, they're, like, bringing in these new skills to the tower, which... Tower hasn't had in forever or ever. Yeah, this is very useful. Yeah, this is something that the Icelanders have been doing all along. There's another uh, another thing that we may we may have already known this, but it's the first time I remember reading it. That 
uh, Aiel men who can channel go on like a suicide mission into the Blight, which is way better than becoming false dragons. I oh, mean, yeah. Yeah. It's kind of a cool idea. Did we already know that? Is that something we had learned before? Uh, I think maybe it was mentioned once, but it's, yeah. Yeah. So they, 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 they go hunt that. the dark one. Yeah. It's great. <laughs> yeah. Pretty badass. So then before the conversation goes much further, Amis grabs Egwene back for dreaming without permission and terrorizes her with visions of horrors and stuff. Yeah. And then like punishes her in real life by making her wear pigtails like a girl. And this whole I hate this. Oh, this drives me crazy. Do you think Robert Jordan hates Egwene? Because like I feel like he <laughs> I feel like he tortures her like an inordinate amount compared to the other characters, you know? Yeah. Like he put her the 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 Shan Chan like torture torture thing and now he's got her like he, like in this like age humiliation thing and like mm-hmm. being night, nightmare torture. I mean like I really feel like he leans a little hard on her. Yeah, I, I think so too. Maybe Egwene puts herself in these positions. I don't blame the victim. <laughs> I, I, this is the way she's dressed, I guess. Yeah. No, I mean it, it could be that uh, you know he he thinks that this is what's gonna this is what hardens a character. Maybe this is like how he thinks that she needs to develop. I don't know. I wonder. Or maybe because we're on book number four by now, maybe he was reacting to his readers hating Egwene. <laughs> I mean, wow. at least nowadays, oh. when you look on various forums where they do the Wheel of Time, people, a lot of people spend a lot of time talking about how much they hate Egwene. Really? Yeah. Of, More than Nynaeve? Of, I was going to say, other female characters, Egwene is not the most objectionable to me. Apparently, yeah. Nynaeve's story arc um, makes her, which we know nothing about yet, but makes her more appealing to okay. some people. Huh. I didn't know that. Oh, yeah, yeah I, I can think of like lots of other characters that I would hate more than Egwene. Yeah, me too. Um, you know, Fayil. For example. <laughs> yeah, I mean, who was there besides Fael and, like, Nynaeve? Yeah. Who else do you um, hate? Those are the only two. I mean, I don't Lida know. sucks. Huh? She's meant to suck. Oh, yeah, Lida sucks. Yeah. yeah. And what was it, Leandrin? Leandrin's kind of a, yeah. Yeah. Kind of a bitch. But yet, yeah, this, this, it pisses me off because Egwene is effectively an adult at this point, you yeah. know? And they're just, it's like humiliation punishment. And the only reason she's putting up with it is because she's, she believes that she needs this knowledge in order to, to help fight the Dark One and save the world. Mm-hmm. And they're just treating her like shit. Oh, so aggravating. Well, okay. So I do get where they're coming from. Like, Teleran Riyad is definitely not a good a good place to go wandering around if, if, the, if the wise ones are to be believed. There's, like, actual threats there that Egwene has no no can of. She has no mm-hmm. idea, like, what she could be dealing with and, and how even how to deal with it. So explain the threats to her. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, that's in theory where they're supposed to be going. But, yeah, I mean, like... It, it is frustrating because Egwene's not going, like, on a pleasure cruise. She's going there to, like, share information with the other parts of their, like, their 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 grand scheme, right? Yeah, I mean, they're on the same team. Yeah, this is this is their, like, international walkie-talkie, essentially, right it's, now. It's the same thing they did to Avienda, where Avienda said, I don't want to be a wise one. I like my job. And they, they treat her like a little girl and punish her and humiliate her, and it just drives me crazy. Yeah, it does Why do these people put up with that? I think it's once again it's a static culture, and when when anybody deviates from it, that's what they do. Mm-hmm. And I guess they have access to they they have perfect control over all the information that Egwene needs, so she doesn't have much choice, right? Mm-hmm. I don't like the Aiel as much as I did at the beginning. At the beginning, I thought they were super cool. They're these crazy warriors. They're really good at what they do. They're hard people. They're badasses. But I'm kind of over them. Yeah, eh, I'm I'm still an Aiel fan just because I think their history and culture is like is kind of uh, fascinating and the, and the way that they, especially now that we've learned where they came from and 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 why they are what they are, I think their their culture is interestingly written. Maybe maybe it's like, I think they 
Robert Jordan put a lot of work into like the the cause and effect that resulted in the Aiel. Yeah, I think that makes them very interesting. But they do have some irritating qualities. Yeah, I th- I think individual Aiel are super cool, and it's it is neat to see what they can do. But the more I learn about them, the more I realize it's just a bunch of warring factions. They're just kind of filthy. Like they they haven't built any cities. They don't have any sort of cool structures or anything. They just have this one ruin, but they don't. They don't really have any culture. They don't really create anything. They're just a bunch of different tribes that have this common background, but it seems like all they do is just war with each other constantly. Yeah. They're hicks. Okay, that's... I think they're they're hicks. You know, they 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 don't they're not educated. They don't know anything. They don't their culture never changes because of this Ruidian static thing. Yeah, and they're never create. They don't create anything because they just steal it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that is that is sort of interesting. I, I I was I was thinking about this a lot as I was reading about them, like. They, it doesn't seem like they should survive because they don't build, they don't cultivate crops. I mean, like, I know that they can get a little bit of food. They they, they, they herd sheep and they herd goats. I guess that's their, their primary, like, protein source. But, like, the land doesn't particularly, isn't particularly, like, good for, for crop growing. Mm-hmm. How do they eat? Like, like what, how, do they, how do they live? So, in real life, desert people tend to be a lot less numerous than agricultural people, because they have to be nomads because there's no good agriculture. Sure. Right. And so, they don't live as much as agricultural people do. They, they eat a lot less, they have a lot lower numbers, um, and they they're sort of live off with uh, raiding things, and stealing things, and trading the occasional valuable things they find. Yeah. And they're able to, to do that because there aren't very many of them. Mm-hmm. But the Aiel, there's a lot of them. I think that's kind of a, a fantasy convention. Yeah. I, I have trouble seeing how they, they support their, their numbers. In, yeah. Normally, the... if there's a group that is this big in number and they live in a crappy place, they move to where there's... They would, like, move over the Dragon Wall to Kyrian and settle there. Mm-hmm. And there'd be a gigantic war, which they would completely win because they're the Aiel. So... Then the wise ones have a sweat lodge meeting. Yeah, they have. Uh, so okay, this is this is cool. Like, I, I I like the idea of the sweat lodge. However, for a culture that is as uh, obsessed with preserving water as the Aiel, this does seem like a little bit of a waste, like a a luxury that they wouldn't be into, right? I mean, like you're literally like pouring water out on the on the sand, right? Yeah, right. I, I guess they do have enough water to live. It's it, hard to find, but they know how to find it. Yeah, they have a couple of springs that they can access, but but they do seem like really into the idea. They, like a sweat lodge seems like a, an exorbitant luxury to to me for for anyone, right? Well, I mean, yeah. how else are they going to get themselves clean, though? Sand, like, or or just not, right? I mean, like they didn't. Yeah. A lot of cultures don't bathe, mm-hmm. um, especially desert folk. What um what cultures have traditionally used sweat lodges throughout history? The only ones I know about are. Uh, American Indians. American Indians, yeah. yeah. So I think that's probably where he got this from. Because the the Aiel seem to be kind of a mix of Zulu and Apache the, and Mongols. The Greeks did, like, saunas, didn't they? They had the, they had the baths, things sure. to, to carve. I think that was that, wax. That was oil, actually. Oh, it was oil? Yeah, yeah. yeah. The, yeah. Was it the... Um, the strigil. Strigil? Thank yeah. you. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but they, they would use oil for that because they had an oil, olives, <laughs> you know. I mean, I know, I know. Jews have traditionally liked a good schwitz, so I don't know where that comes from, though. That's probably an Eastern European thing. Yeah, yeah. So they go into the sweat lodge to talk things over mm-hmm. uh, with Moraine and everything. And and the the takeaways here are that Avienda is supposed to follow Rand around forever and stay within three paces of him for ever. 
her, all the okay. time, 24-7. Her reaction does seem a little excessive, though. Like, I, I get that she's, like, has this, like, she's Elaine's bro or whatever, but her, her reactions seem really extreme for all that, you know? Like... Mm-hmm. Like she, she seems to really hate Rand. Like not, not in a, not in a, like a, oh man, dude, be cool, you know. Elaine, Elaine likes you, be, you know. But she's like, oh, this disgusts me, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's, yeah. it's, it's weird the, the, the her reaction to it. Of all the Aiel, maybe Kuladin, who literally tried to stab him right. a couple yeah. times, uh, is the only one who seems to hate Rand more. But no, it doesn't matter to... because dominance games, Avienda has to go hang out with Rand. Yeah. And we have another group of people who are all trying to, like, quote-unquote, guide Rand now. So, that's cool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they're just like Moraine does. And I don't know if Moraine takes the time to say, dude, it just doesn't work with this kid. <laughs> but She plays cards pretty close to her chest. I think she wouldn't admit that she had tried and failed to guide Rand. Not to these people. Mm-hmm. And uh, we, we don't find out what Moraine saw in Ruidian. No, I'm so curious, though. Yeah, but it seems to have been grim news. Yeah. Because she's just sort of saying, well, whatever it is, you know, it's what I have to do. Yeah, she has a tightness around her eyes that indicates that she saw something, like, really awful. Mm-hmm. So she would have seen her ancestors, and she's from the Damadrid family so, line. So she didn't do that. Yeah, the the, the center of Ruidian, the, the, the glass pillars, is something that only the chieftains do. What they were saying that the, the, um, the wise ones do is go through a series of rings i think oh that's it's, right it's something like... very similar to what they did in the white tower right yeah. except with this it's supposed to give you some like prophetic information i think maybe it's unfair because there's just no way he could get it all written but i am getting a little frustrated with what we what robert jordan what he does choose to tell us and what he doesn't choose to tell us like i don't give a shit about what matt is experiencing but i would love to know <laughs> what moraine saw and mm-hmm. i'm glad we found out what rand saw but you know, I would I would like to hear these stories because sometimes we have insight into these characters and what they're thinking and what we're doing. And at other times, they go off and do super cool things and we just have no idea what happened there. I, yeah. I think he likes to use it as a, as a tool for reveals. Uh, you know, we, we didn't get Rand chapters for a while so he could have his, like, big, like, teleport reveal. And, and Moraine, historically, we've had probably fewer chapters for Moraine than I could count on one hand, you know? Yeah. Uh, so he, he he definitely writes her as a mysterious character by design because I think she has probably way more information than anyone else. Yeah. So how do you think this compares to the first book when Moraine knew everything and she wasn't telling anybody anything? She's really mysterious. I remember at one point she says, I think it's in the second book, um, I've, I've become a lot more dangerous because she kind of disappears for a while. We don't know what happened there. Yeah, I, um, she probably was referring, at least in part, to learning how to do Balefire. Yeah, yeah. She, she went to the the library of her her two friends and did a bunch of research. So yeah. she probably like got access to a bunch of forbidden ancient knowledge or something. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but she also we also don't know what happened when she went. She went. She and Rand saw when they went through the twisted doorways. Either we just saw Matt's story with the snaky people. That is true. Yeah, she. Uh, but she and Rand. Presumably ask some questions. We don't even know what those questions were. Yeah, and I wish we did. And maybe that's unfair because there's just no way Robert Jordan can do the normal. But sometimes it does feel a little arbitrary, even though I think you have a good point that it is moving the story forward. I think if we knew everything that Moraine knew, there wouldn't be much to reveal. Like, I I get the impression that she has a better understanding of of these events than any other person alive. Sure. I think that Robert Jordan's strength is in writing sort of a man-on-the-street perspective. Mm Mm-hmm. Of, of grand events, you know, that's where he really shines. And he doesn't, he seems to shy away from writing 
mythic characters from their own perspective. You know, like your your Aragorn type characters. Mm -hmm. the, he seems to always like to write those from the perspective of a normie who's impressed and doesn't know what's going on and is tossed by the, the tides of history. Yeah. And in that, this case, it seems to be that's Matt's role here. Yeah. Is he's just the, the foil who's like seeing what's going on but not quite understanding it. Yeah. We have had quite a few Rand chapters and we went like an entire book without ever getting Rand perspective. So mm -hmm. that's that's interesting, though. We don't get a whole lot of reveal from Rand because he's mostly just focusing on what's happening around him, I guess. He's not yeah. thinking about his like... Whenever he thinks about his... Big plans. He talks about them in release. Yeah, I'll say in the next terms. couple chapters that starts to feel pretty artificial to me. Yeah, how he thinks about his plans, but he doesn't actually think about them. Yeah, so that the readers don't know what his plans are. <laughs> yeah, that is a little annoying. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. Speaking of chapter thirty-six, misdirections, icon of the moon and stars. Oh, hey, Landfear, how right? About that. Yeah, that's Landfear. I wonder which of these characters is Landfear, <laughs> right? <laughs> So Rand and the Aiel start traveling to the meeting place where Rand has gotten all the wise ones to go out in the dreams and summon all the clan chiefs. And uh, the the Jindo, which is Ruark's clan? I think. And the, then the Shido following them and the wise ones, which I guess are another thing. Yeah, this also, is a really tense entourage. Yeah, like they're about to attack all the time. They stay 500 meters apart from each other. And, or so. And Kuladin's still really pissed off at Rand, too. Yeah. Yeah. He's... He, he left his brother. He's, he's supposed to wait another day for his brother to come out to come out or not of Ruidian, and he left him. Yeah. yeah this, uh, I really like this desert. This I think he's describing the painted desert from the, the southwest in America. Yeah, it's kind of like... And, you know, the you know, rocks piled on rocks looking like they're going to fall over and, and just gorgeous stuff. I guess it's gorgeous if you have a source of water. <laughs> I was going to say, it's, it's, it's great to observe, but you wouldn't want to live there. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, so they're, they're traveling, and everything's kind of awkward between the Aiel, and everything is super awkward between Avienda and Rand, because Avienda just follows him around and just nags at him about Elaine constantly. And he's talking about how hot Elaine is God, constantly. This is, what, is the, what the fuck is up with this scene with Avienda? <laughs> Trust me, bro, I've seen her naked. It's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> like, really? <laughs> yeah, I, right? Like, and... Yeah, she's like, well, I'm surprised she didn't arrange for you to see her naked. You know, maybe I should uh, just describe her to you then. Her breasts are full, her hips are round. I mean, if her you eyes don't are have... blue sapphires. Her skin is smoother than the finest silk. Her bosom is fine and well rounded. Her <laughs> I mean, hips maybe... are totally fuckable. <laughs> maybe this is what passes for porn in Randland. They don't have computers or you know, like printed material or photographs. There but, you go. But she doesn't even present it that way. She's just like trying, like she's like selling a lane. She's like. Dude, you want to hit that man? Like she looks great naked, right? And That's, it's it's inappropriate, you know. Yeah, like, Rand is not. This is not what the conversation is about right now. And it's not a one-on-one -on -one conversation. They're in the middle of a crowd, and she's just like, and yeah, and oh man, her butt. Oh, it's nice butt. And like <laughs> Matt's Matt's over there, just like, uh, okay, cool. <laughs> yeah, what is, what's going on here? Oh, and Avienda brings up those freaking letters again that apparently Elaine wrote, which we still don't know what was in them. Yeah, the I think the gag is that. She wrote one letter that was lovey-dovey and the other letter that was telling him off. Yeah. Because of her own personal bullshit. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and Rand is like, I don't know what's going on with these two different letters. Yeah. And, I've, and the message, the garbled message that they got from over the dream world from Elaine was, she meant what she said in those letters. Yeah. And Rand's like, what? That doesn't help me. Yeah, this is supposed to be comical, I guess, but it's like, it's again, as, as often as the case when Robert Jordan is writing like relationship drama, it's frustrating to read. Yeah, and Rand completely misunderstands why Avienda is hanging out with him and what's going on here. He thinks that the wise ones 
think that because she's pretty, he'll just fall in love with her, and that if she stands next to him, Mm -hmm. which is a ridiculous plan because she's berating him the whole time. She's incredibly hard to be around. But that's but the reason he thinks that is because they don't tell him anything. Yeah. Yeah. Like for no reason. Yep. But anyway, it says he misses Min. Yeah, Um, which you know, I mean, like Min's cool. Yeah, she's just like a dude, you know? She's like a bro. It's <laughs> like sometimes I just like, I feel like I just want to hang out with my bros. <laughs> yeah. It's like a bro. Yeah, she's like a lady bro. Like a bro you can have sex with without <laughs> having sex with a bro. <laughs> <laughs> wow. That's what Rand really wants, you know? That's fine. Yeah, right? So the, most of this chapter is from Matt's perspective. And he's Which... still entangled in Rand's Dragon D. <laughs> <laughs> Right, his dragon destiny. Right, his dragon destiny. And uh, that's, I don't know, I like this stuff. I, I would like to learn more about Matt and less about what's going on with Rand right now. Yeah, Matt, Matt's, I mean, we, we haven't talked about it much, but he's had some like interesting kind of like like offhand reveals. Like all of a sudden he uh, he can like read uh, the, the old tongue and yeah. understand the old tongue like fluently. Yeah. And I think Rand made a comment about it in the last chapter. It's something we haven't like Yeah, and consciously he knows what he's doing. Yeah, mm-hmm. and he's like kind of aware of it. Mm-hmm. And we don't know the significance of the items that he brought back from the the fox people world. Either. Yeah, yeah, and, uh, uh, yeah. The cool spear with and, a sword blade. Yeah, and a, and he's got a medallion, right? A fox yeah, head, a silver medallion. fox head medallion. Yeah. Hmm. And so they, now they uh, the the traveling Aiel meet some peddlers uh, coming through the waste. Yeah, this is an awfully suspicious peddler situation. These guys are all kinds of red flags. <laughs> it's like, you know, yeah, I mean, there's Tavern involved, so some, you know, some coincidental stuff happens, but, like, these guys are awfully sketchy. Yeah, a bunch of peddlers where they're not supposed to be, and there's it's unclear how they got so far into the waste without any AL knowing about them, and, yeah, they're a bunch of weirdos. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, they there's a whole bit of Ruark versus Kuladin drama over who gets to escort the peddlers. And Roark gets to do it because he's a clan chief and Kuladin is not. Yeah, at first I was a, I was a little bit curious about this, but I'm, they they quickly explained that Kuladin is trying to act as a clan chief despite never having gone to Iridian. So this this like escorting the travelers thing is something that only a clan chief should be able to do. Mm-hmm. And Roark, though he probably doesn't care that much, has to step in and say, "No, we're going to do it" because he doesn't want to like give Kuladin the, the legitimacy, which is yeah. interesting. Yeah, yeah, and I think uh, Kuladin is gonna he's gonna accept this rebuke. Really smoothly. It's going to be great. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's probably fine. Yeah. <laughs> he seems open to that kind of thing. So uh, Matt notably buys a hat from the peddlers. <laughs> yeah, he's got his like sweet wide-brimmed hat now. Yeah, now he's got a signature hat, yeah. which is really important if you're going to be a hero. Yeah, totally. <laughs> I was totally imagining him as one of the characters in the Three Amigos movie. <laughs> the poncho and the enormous sombrero. Yeah, I think he would think that was pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. probably. <laughs> the peddlers, like I said, are a bunch of weirdos. Uh, there's like Kadir... The guy who leads the peddlers, uh, and he's, he acts afraid of the Aiel, but his eyes never change. Um, and his wife or something, who's really fat. Is it his wife? I don't think it's his wife. You're right, it's not his it's wife. It's another peddler. It's, it's unclear, because he's traveling with this other girl who's really pretty. Yeah. And there's a Gleeman who does not seem to actually be a Gleeman. <laughs> no, what are you talking about? Yeah. He's totally Glee human. <laughs> <laughs> right. And, the, and yeah, and the fat woman... Who is his boss or Kyle, something? Kelly or Kylie? Keely? And uh, Rand, as soon as they show up, Rand starts saying crazy shit. Yeah. He's... Like, he, he, he meets them and he's like, in total crazy mode. Yeah, he's like, don't trust them, their eyes don't change. Yeah. 
We're Riding with Evil, which, by the way, great band name. Yeah, we're Riding with Evil. Riding with Evil. Yeah, and it has begun. It has begun. Okay, this is pretty funny. I looked in the glossary how to pronounce that woman's name. It's Kayeli, but uh, it says, A peddler traveling the Iowa waste, a woman with plans even larger than she is. <laughs> I do like her. No, no. You know what? I, I'm going to, I'm going to like, I want to point this out. Robert Jordan, like, kind of harshes on her a little bit. He's like, oh, you know, she's got a melodious voice until you see her body or something. It's like, like Robert Jordan kind of writes it in a kind of a shitty way, I think. He, he mentions her weight every time he describes her. Like, yeah. Like, like when oh, the other girl walks away. Rolls of like, fat. As you know, he's like, like, she's three of that other girl. Yeah, it's 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 a little gross. It's a little weird. But, uh, yeah, so now they're traveling with these weirdo peddlers. And they travel to Imre Stand, chapter 37. Imre Stand. Icon of the Trollocs. Oh, I wonder what's going to happen yeah, in this chapter. <laughs> yeah, so they, they come to this place, which is uh, an oasis that is owned by the Tardad clan, and uh, it's been abandoned, sadly. So, wait, okay, the Tardad clan, the Jinto are part of the Tardad clan, I think, right? So, with the Jinto, I, I'm, I'm having trouble with IEL structure. I think I said it wrong. I think Tardad is a Sept? Is, is it Clan Sept or Sept clan? I think it's Clan Sept. I think the Jinto are a clan, and they have a bunch of Septs where people live and the sept tardad is the local one that owns this uh oasis but there are also holds that's another thing so it's like yeah hold they have like holds within the sept i think i thought that was a physical location like the three rocks hold oh i thought a sept was a physical location (laughs) okay (laughs) clearly we're having some trouble with the ideal structures but there i know i'm pretty sure those are three distinct uh, levels of right. I, I don't and then know there's what the, the warrior order. societies, which are completely different. Things. Yeah, it's it's pretty complex. Yeah, but it, it turns out that all the people that were here at this oasis have been slaughtered by Trollocs. Yeah, splashed on the walls, covered in blood. That sucks. And uh, as this is happening, there's a lot more weirdness from the peddlers. Yeah, these peddlers are getting way more creepy as we go along. Yeah, super sketchy. <laughs> yeah, it's like oh, I want to go look at the blood. Hmm. <laughs> yeah, right. I was wondering if it might just be that we're seeing things from Rand's perspective, but I think they're actually just creepy. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think so. Uh, and so Rand has a training advice session with Lan, you know, for old time's sake. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty sweet. Uh, practices some sword, and then he practices some spear with the uh, Ruark, because, you know, he wants to lead the Isle. He should learn to fight like the Isle do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I actually think that's that's it. Because, I mean, up until now, he's been doing a lot of things to kind of piss off the Isle. Maybe not intentionally, but, you know, he's not, make, he's not winning, winning any like popularity points and he kind of should be thinking about that because yeah probably needs them yeah because they were shaped by the hand of the creator or whatever to be his tool right exactly (laughs) and there's a funny little uh line there at the end of that that segment where uh rand is talking about their 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 metaphor it's like heavy as a mountain or something what is it oh yeah death is lighter than a feather duty heavier than a mountain (laughs) yeah so he says that mountain can grow awfully heavy sometimes he sighed taking a spear when do you find a chance to put it down for a while and land said when you die. Because, <laughs> you know, Lan. <laughs> Just still badassing along. Yep. At, at this point, I wrote in my notes, shut the fuck up, Avienda. Uh, like, she's just constantly nagging him and, like, bringing up Elaine for no reason, right? Rand has said nothing, right, in, in weeks or whatever about Elaine. Mm-hmm. They really, okay, they really just need to have a conversation, you know? I mean, just they just need to talk it out. Like, I feel like there's a there's a really easy to resolve communication, like miscommunication here. Like, Rand, all, all Rand would have to do is explain, well, these two letters are a little confusing. There's one that does this and one that does this, and Avienda could be like, oh, 
huh, yeah, I mean, she probably meant the first one, you know, not the second one. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, like, this is this is an easily resolvable communication thing, and it's just dragging. It's yeah. just dragging on forever. Yeah, I don't I don't blame Rand, because he's busy. <laughs> you know, he's got a job. Yeah, I guess Avienda doesn't have a whole lot going on right now. Yeah, so we cut to Matt, and uh, they're camping around Imre's stand, and Matt's hanging out with the peddlers. Because I guess he just doesn't have a good radar for weirdos. <laughs> I mean, you know, he did he did accept that knife from that crazy guy in the, the ruins all those years ago. Uh, and we finally figure out what's going on with Matt. He has new memories. Because mm-hmm. that's what he asked for. Mm-hmm. And it's super cool. It is. It's funny because, like, if you recall, all he asked for was to have the hole in his memories filled. Didn't, <laughs> yeah. They didn't say they were going to fill it with his memories. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> So just, I don't know. Just, just, just the memories like, we got on the top of the stack there. <laughs> yeah. Put it on in there. I mean, like, these, these like, interdimensional creatures, they have, like, a pretty, like, loose understanding of the way humans work. So just, like, eh, probably all the same, yeah, right? Yeah, these are all marked human. I mean, <laughs> just put them in the human. <laughs> put them in the human memories. To his credit, though, he's, he says, like, yeah, these are pretty useful memories to have, you know? Because, like, he's, he has all this knowledge now about battle and things, right? Yeah, he, he's... Uh, he's He's making little observations about, for example, the crossbow that the peddler's trying to sell. He's like, mm-hmm. "Well, yeah, with that uh, with that size, it has a increased range with two people loading and unloading and a, a solid group of pikemen to like hold right. people at bay." I was like, "Oh yeah, yeah." So his memories have been filled with memories from other people of all different times and places and a whole lot of battles. Yeah, yeah. he remembers being in lots of battles, which is really cool. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Not super useful right this minute, but, you know, I mean, yeah. like, long-term, probably. We'll see whether that comes in useful or not. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, at, at this point, Natale, who is the Gleeman, uh, comes and pumps him for info about Ruidian. Uh, <laughs> yeah. In a really unsubtle manner. But... Just a normal Glee human with normal Glee human questions. <laughs> <laughs> Don't mind me. <laughs> right. But, look, I have a cloak. He, like, holds his cloak up. See, I'm a Gleeman. <laughs> so, tell me more. Tell me exactly what the fog barrier preventing people from getting into Ruidian was like. What did it look like? What color was it? What did it taste like? <laughs> okay, I guess this was really... I was really oblivious to that because I thought he was legit just trying to get the story so he could write a ballad. <laughs> I did not think about it that way. That, did, that wow. was not the impression that I got. Okay. If, if it had just been that and the other peddlers had seemed normal, I wouldn't maybe have noticed. But since the other peddlers are all like clearly... Super shady. Yeah, shady as heck. And this guy comes over and immediately starts asking him questions like... <laughs> Hello, fellow human. Yeah. <laughs> right. uh, there's also an interesting kind of like side note here. We see Kuladin and Kadir are getting friendly. And, and Matt, of course... Being the guy he is, it's like, oh, I guess they just did a bad trade or something like that. But this seems awfully suspicious that Kulidin and Kadir have like a conversation yeah. that you know leads to some some weird weird looks. Um, and it's also kind of interesting to seeing what the Aiel want to buy. You know, it, it's it, it, it's not really it doesn't seem important to anything, but it's just like I like this little section where Matt is observing the 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 commerce that happens and like, oh, the Aiel, you know, they they don't carry coins, but they trade in like. Their loot. They're like, <laughs> yeah. oh yeah, this golden salt seller, and you know that's obviously pretty pretty good currency. You know mm-hmm. they're happy to spend it. But... Yes, that, that's why peddlers would want to come to the waste because they've got all this looted wealth. Yeah, uh, but but Aiel also the things that they're interested in are kind of random. They really like needles and pins, for yeah. example. But they like books. They like books. Yeah. It's... Yeah, and they and but they don't like the silk because they can get better quality silk from elsewhere. Yeah, they, mm-hmm. uh, apparently the lands to the east of the Aiel Wastes are uh, a source of both ivory and silk. We don't know anything, almost anything else about those lands. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's just interesting seeing the 
the the commerce between these peddlers and the Aiel because we've never seen them do anything other than fight, really. So yeah. I agree. It's more good Robert Jordan detail. Yeah. So at dinner, I thought this was going to flop, but they, they asked Natale to actually sing a song, and I thought he was not going to be able to do <laughs> He's it. He's like, yeah, oh, <laughs> right, a song. Right? Uh, songs. He's like, oh, yeah, uh-huh. i got to go get my instrument. <laughs> um, which I definitely have. Yeah, which, right, he just went down and bought it from somebody. Right. But he, he sings a song, and it's, it's a song of old Manetheran battles. And this is super cool because Matt remembers being there yeah. in, at the actual day of the battle. And he remembers dying there, too. This is this is awesome. He's like, I don't remember it going that way, <laughs> the way the song goes in the battle. He's like, yeah, I just remember, like, we've tried to go across that river and then I died. Uh, with a bunch of arrows in me. With a yeah. bunch of arrows in me. And like, but uh, and the next thing I remember is that, that guy we were fighting against. Uh, he totally died, too. Yeah, he got stabbed in the back when he was an old man. I remember that, too. <laughs> Yeah, that, that's that's awesome. So Matt's just really cool now. But but the one they're telling the story about, the one that he remembers feeling, he remembers being Adamon. Is that the same as King Aemon? I think it's a different person. I think okay. this is a story from before the fall of Minethrin. Okay. But uh, then there's a Trolloc attack. <laughs> oh, okay, yeah. Whenever the story starts slowing down, Trolloc attack. Yeah, I was like, <laughs> I think that's probably pretty inevitable at this point. <laughs> yeah, and uh, Matt. Kills his way through the Trollocs, fights a Mirdral with yeah. his, and he's like, "I'm glad I got all these memories of spear fighting, so I know how to use this spear." And I guess it's a, a little bit better than a regular spear. It has like iron hard. The haft is wood, but still somehow stops metal blades. I don't know. Yeah, right. It's he magic. use it as half quarterstaff, half spear. Yeah, in a, in a really weird style. Uh, and he kills a bunch of Trollocs. The Isle, I mean. What were these Trollocs thinking? Just attacking a bunch of Isle? Yeah, I mean, don't they? What's it? They call the the lands of the Aiel, the, the the dying lands or something like that. Yeah, the dying grounds, and that is what they do. They, they do die. a lot of dying. Yeah, but there, I do like though that there are Aiel casualties as well. Yeah, There's... just the sheer numbers. I think at this yeah. point, yeah. And I guess they're sort of ambushed, though. It doesn't seem to make that much difference to the mm-hmm. Aiel. Then after the fight, uh, the peddlers who were just uh, hanging out in their wagons during the battle with the Aiel, they uh, come out and. Check things out. Good job, guys. You yeah. took care of that problem. Yeah. Yeah, great. It's probably fine. So that's it for this episode. Next time, we're going to cover chapters 38 through 42 of The Shadow Rising. I am Jeff Lake. That's Jeff underscore Lake on Twitter. I'm Alice Sullivan. That's at Alice M. Sullivan. I'm Micah Sparkman. I don't have one of those. <laughs> that's funny every time. <laughs> if you have any comments, questions, or feedback, please drop us a line at hello at thedragonrered.com. We would love to hear from you. Please share us with anybody you think will like us. Please give us good reviews uh, wherever you got this. Please check out our website, thedragonreread.com. And uh, please, extra please, check out our Patreon. Our Patreon is patreon.com slash club, which is who we are because we're a bunch of armadillos. Yeah. <laughs> that's why you don't see pictures of us in real life. That's yeah. right. Just those hand-drawn ones. Yeah. That's... We were like, draw us, but make us look like people. <laughs> So, like, imagine imagine what we would look like if you looked at the character art and then turned those into armadillos. That's yeah, what we look like in real really life. Really good looking armadillos. <laughs> and please, like us in real life. We're super likable. Until next time. The, the light, light illumine you. you.